Hello and welcome back to another Straight Down the Line episode of the First Time Watchers Podcast. Because we like to watch. My name is Tim Costa. This is Walter Vinci. And those crickets you hear is the sound of Hermano da Silva out and about on his insurance job being seduced by some femme fatale. But joining us tonight, we have two guests. First up, the best of the two from Simplistic Reviews, Matthew Stewart. Welcome back, Matt. Uh, listen, you dizzy dame. I am... I will never be number one. I will always be number two to you. Uh, yeah, speaking of number two, how is your podcast going? Oh, you know, down the, <laughs> down the old poop chute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah? I'm going to do this more of a noirish type thing. I, I'm just going to go full noir the entire episode. Well, this isn't a script written by uh, DJ, so... Uh, <laughs> ah, yeah, he's, he's good. <laughs> he is. He is yeah. good. Hey, you, you, I, I, haven't, I haven't called you yet. You shut your hole, hole over there. No, sorry. Shush. Josh, Matthew, uh, uh, what, what's the la- latest um, movie commentary you did? Oh, God damn. It was, I don't know, some movie that was bad. <laughs> good, good. I, 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 I love you being on top of something your own podcast. From, something from the uh, 80s. It was, yep. uh, yeah, American Ninja. Oh, awesome. American Ninja. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, I think uh, we saw that for the uh, for the podcast. Uh, yes, uh, American Ninja was uh, definitely something worth uh, watching once. Um, so it might be perfect for you guys. Excellent. Uh, yeah, it, it was great. It was uh, um, ba- basically the, I don't know, it's everything you would want in a movie that has uh, ninjas and ninja kills and stereotypical ninja shit. Nice. Uh, it was great. Good. Awesome. I'm sure the, the commentary was just as entertaining. Uh, it was something. Yeah, I'm sure it was something. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, okay. Next up, this other guy from some other place called In Session Film, J.D. Duran. Hi, J.D. Hey, long time. Yeah, it has been, a been long time. here, but man, this feels great. I'm I'm excited to be here to take over the show, Tim, mm. uh, and hopefully by the end of this episode, convince you guys to prolong the uh, the end of it, and we'll go an- another five hundred. Right, that's the plan here. We'll get to a thousand, uh, and uh, maybe we'll call it then. Who knows? Just, just, that's my goal here. JD on this one. I'm going to try to play the long game by stalling. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Just uh, let it be known that I asked Brendan first before I asked you. <laughs> you know, that's, you know, I wouldn't know if anticipated it to be any other way. Uh, glad that uh, Brendan could not be here. He's probably preparing for a wedding or something. Uh, yeah, but I'm here I'll, instead. I'll have, I'll have words. Ooh, that sound was Tim's heart a breaking. Yeah, I'll have words on that a little bit later in the show. Um, oh, so. Come on, poor Tim. Anyways, I know. anyways, I, I guess it's okay to have you here too, JD. Um, anyways, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for the invite. Uh-huh. Slash. Thanks, Brendan, for not being available. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> uh, anyways, moving on. If you'd like to send feedback to this show, you can always email us at firsttimewatchers at gmail.com. In this episode, we'll be discussing Billy Wilder's classic double indemnity. But before we get into that, it is time for yay or nay. This is the part of the show where we discuss what we have seen recently on our own. Matthew. Hmm. Yay and uh, yay or nay. So um, I know we, um, we talked, uh, we spoke off camera. I might have both, but I'm going to see how uh, long-winded I'm going to be on this one. But I'm going to give a yay because I'm very excited and i've uh, been very pleasantly surprised about uh atlanta on fx um if it's a show you're not watching you're i don't know i don't even know what to say to you you're not my friend obviously um donald glover's uh, last season of atlanta on fx it is just a triumph to watch they've gone full David Lynch, he's completely gone off the rails with this season, and I couldn't like it any more than I liked the last season, which I thought was excellent as well, too. So anybody who's uh, not a fan of Atlanta or hasn't caught up, uh, just know that the show starts normal, season one. It's basically a show about uh, rappers and trying to get into into rap, and Donald Glover being just poor and not really, things not really going his way. But now things are going his way, and there's a lot of other things that are going on in the show. And if anybody knows anything about the show, you probably know the one episode, the Teddy Perkins episode, which is every everybody lost their goddamn shit over because it still ranks in my top probably five episodes of the series. But I would say almost everything this season so far has almost overtaken Teddy Perkins and even some of the stuff in the previous season. So 
go out there, do your due diligence, and watch some goddamn Atlanta. Uh, even if you don't understand it, just watch it because it's so original and out there. It's well-written and interesting, and I know a lot of people can stand it because it's ambiguous, and you have to think about the stuff in the show. But uh, uh, if not for anything, uh, Lakeith Stanfield is fantastic. Zazie Beats is fantastic. Brian Tyree Hill is fantastic. Everybody on that goddamn show is fantastic. Um, so, yeah, do your uh, do your due diligence and ca- please catch up or start or, you know, watch Atlanta because it needs you, even though it really doesn't because it's ending this year. So either way, probably doesn't really matter. Not fair I don't enough. think I went that long. So, uh, nay, really quick, um, the leak of the Indiana Jones trailer. Wait, what? So there was a leak of that. the new trailer? There is a leak. So somebody took a uh, bootleg video of the trailer. I guess I, I assume it was probably from D23 or something like that. But yeah, once again, interesting. Um, that's what I have to say. I'm bringing the farts to the show. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, good, good, good Foley work. Um, interesting. I'm, 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 I'll be curious to catch up whenever this trailer uh, comes officially online. It, uh, yeah, it will be official soon. I think now that it's been. Kind of like look, even though I like James Mangold, I'm I'm still not anticipating much, you know, from this, <laughs> especially after after the last entry that nobody likes to talk about. It can't be any worse, right? Uh, I don't know. It's possible. No. Anything's possible, Matthew. Anything's possible. <laughs> Anything's possible. The answer is no. You sound like Kevin Garnett. That's true. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, anyways, uh, JD, I heard your voice. Uh, what What do you got for you, Renee? Okay, where to begin? Oh, I'll start with the nay on Olivia Wilde's Don't Worry Darling. Uh, hmm. Not one that I would recommend. It is kind of bonkers. Maybe I could recommend it if you're simply wanting to experience a film that is absolutely insane. And it's writing anyway. It's one of those films where its craft is undeniable. It's really well made from a cinematography editing score perspective uh there's a lot to like there but even in that it's a bit misguided i think because it has ideas on its mind that are you know appropriate to the time in some ways but because of its 1950s aesthetic it eventually gets into like it takes us ideas and reverts 50 60 70 years to gender roles that aren't really applicable till today so Hmm. i I don't know it's such a strange experience that really has no coherence to it at least from a writing and thematic perspective uh and then it, it also wears its influences on its sleeve and so it's you know and it's one of those movies where i can't even mention the references hardly without getting into spoilers but Hmm. yeah i mean this film is it's like five different movies in one and i and and not in a good way uh so the performances i think are good like florence Pugh is good but i don't think she's great because the writing really hurts her performance Hmm. Uh, the dialogue some of what she's asked to do it just it's just a hot mess is really the the simple way to phrase that movie. So that, that one is a big nay. Do not recommend that one. But two that I can recommend, one is the comedy See How They Run. Oh, yeah. Uh, starring Sasha Ronan, uh, who's really great. And this is this is a really fun movie because it's it's one that is very self-aware of what it's doing comedically and that it's subverting commenting on whodunit narratives and the tropes that come with those movies while wholly embracing them all at the same time, which to me was a lot of fun in execution execution with how they go about it. And the cast here is great. Saoirse Ronan, phenomenal. Sam Rockwell, probably actually drunk in every scene that he's in, uh, which makes for a great dynamic. Uh, so I, I really had a lot of fun with this movie. I thought it was very good. I do recommend it. It's not really getting talked about much. There hasn't been a ton of marketing for it, but if it's in your area, see how they run. And maybe, maybe it's the glass onion thing, you know, because that seems to be getting a lot of attention in the discourse Interesting, and understandably so. And it has a bigger marketing budget behind it for sure, but see how they run. Ultimately, the two movies I don't think will be quite comparable because see how they run is 
half a parody of a whodunit. So, <laughs> uh, so it's not quite the same, but a fun movie. Do recommend it. And then I will recommend uh, the Woman King. Oh yes, I did like that mm. film quite a bit. Great action. Loved the liberties it takes. That that whole discourse to me is still ridiculous. Uh, but oh, I right. like the liberties it's taking narratively. The the last two scenes of the film are especially striking in that regard. That's interesting you talk about that because I found them, I don't know, a, a, a tad um, overwritten and unnecessary. Well, I think what I like about it is without it, I think it's um, a fine movie that really has no emotional pull to it aside from that. And when I think about epics that work the best for me, you know, let's go with the obvious one that people have been talking about, something like Gladiator. Sure. Gladiator works for me because it has the action and all of that is great. But at its core, it's very poignant mm. and you really get to understand, you know, our the central character at a deep emotional level. At least I, I am able to connect to him in that way. Mm-hmm. And the Woman King doesn't have that as much right. until you start to veer toward the intimacy of the third act. Um, and and so it takes the broader context and the scale of it all and, you know, how this tribe, this civilization is caught up in this really, you know, harsh cycle that they don't want to be involved in. I do like that the film grapples with that, but I like that it – and and to your point, I, I, it's certainly contrived and, and a little manufactured, mm-hmm. yeah. but I'm okay with that because of its execution and the performances inside of it. And that we finally do get to something that is humanistic beyond, you know, a vague broadness. So that, uh, that did work for me. And does that make sense? Yeah, sure. I hope I articulated that well enough. So, uh, so to me, that's that's what I like about the Woman King. I do have some pacing issues and some storytelling issues in the first half uh, of the film, but uh, for the most part, I really do like. I guess one more, I'll just say real fast because I watched it last night and I'm very late to the game here. But the horror film X. Yep. Mm, really like that a lot. Yep. That's some good stuff. That's probably in my top three movies yeah. just this year, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, no, very good. Everyone was recommending the hell out of that film, and I mean, you guys know my history with horror films. Yeah, I have just, to take my time. I have, I have to amp myself up for it, but <laughs> I, I loved it. I, I had a really great time with that one. Just wait until you see Pearl, because my gosh, it's uh, all about Mia Goth, and yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. That's what everyone keeps saying, so that's that's next on the list. And speaking of horror, I will bring up another yay. Sorry, I forgot to mention it's Barbarian. Oh, yeah. By all means. Mm, yep. Yeah. I agree. That's another one of my top. I don't know. It's been a really for me personally because you know I'm a horror guy. Mm. So that movie, of course, the less you know, the best, the uh, the better for it. But there are some mm. fantastic scenes in Richard Brake in that goddamn movie yep. is fucking phenomenal. Yep, I agree. Mm. Give that man some more work, goddamn it. <laughs> Um, one thing for me, uh, a French film that recently landed on Netflix, and it's called Athena. Uh, hours after tra- after the tragic death of their youngest brother in unexplained circumstances, three siblings have their lives thrown into chaos. Uh, directed by Roman Gavras, um, and yeah, this movie is is pretty fucking great, guys. It's incendiary. It's this is like the most modern mix of do the right thing and Lahaine you could imagine. Um, mm. The the effects of years of police police brutality really come to fruition in this one night that causes this upheaval in a really combustible circumstances. And it, it like I, I said in the synopsis, it revolves around these three brothers, but they've led these very different lives and how their story interweaves throughout this night is handled really, really well. And it all leads to understandable, like upheaval and believable moments of this, these decisions that in some circumstances are, you know, could be unimaginable, but, you know, really well realized within the context of the film. Um, The filmmaking is astounding. There's this, you know, it's been well discussed, I think, about this opening shot that lasts about seven or eight minutes. uh, And 
and how it starts at this police precinct and then travels along the road along with these uh, vehicles uh, uh, that have started this riot and travels to this block of apartment complexes that the rest of this movie takes place in. And, uh, and there's a lot of steady cam long shot takes that, you know, while technically impressive, they also really serve well within the context of the film and uh, serve the characters as well. Um, and really, uh, you know, the, this use of steady cams to drone footage is really seamlessly integrated that really creates this visceral experience. So it, it, it adds to this feel of confusion and the after effects of each moment and almost as if you're really there within these riots and this upheaval within this contained area. And it, it really is one of the best films of the year so far for me. So I highly recommend on Netflix, okay. Athena. Uh, Wally, what have you seen? All right, well, with the, uh, the, the storm that is making its way up the, uh, the Gulf Coast, I ended up watching uh, Five Days at Memorial on Apple TV uh, with Vera Farmiga and Sherry Jones, who, uh, Sherry Jones, uh, it took me a second to, to figure out who she was, but she was the president on 24 at one point. Oh, yeah. Um, doctors and nurses at the intensive care unit of a New Orleans hospital struggle with treating patients during Hurricane Katrina when the facility is without power for five days, uh, all based on an absolutely true story uh, and just how... Uh, crazy things got in the in the city and then around the city uh, once the levees broke. And uh, I would highly recommend, um, I'd also highly recommend um, uh, following up on on uh, Dr. Poe and what the, the fallout of all this was. Um, because it, it, does, it, it does touch on the subsequent trial that goes on as a result of, as a result of, uh, the uh, the time at Memorial, um, but also what Dr. Poe's been up to uh, in the time since. Um, so definitely, definitely worth worth uh, checking out. And I would say uh, it is an absolute yay. So uh, I decided to give Wally a break uh, this week uh, on writing a funny, quippy, whatever you want to call uh, in-session film promo because J.D. Duran, you are here. You are here. I am. And um, I'm here. We might as well make use of, of you somehow because I'm not sure how much use <laughs> you are going to be otherwise. Um, yeah. And okay. uh, you have a show. You have a show that we promote every week. And... Um, and I don't know why we continue to do this, but we do. And uh, because be- you love me, well, it's become tradition. It's you won't be- admit it, but you do. Well, no. Look, uh, if you want to talk about love, it's my dearly, dearly uh, missing uh, Brendan Cassidy, who yeah. I still feel rage for uh, yeah. for getting engaged yeah. to, to somebody not me, yeah. not named me. And um, yeah, yeah. But uh, if you if you want to drop a, a few lines as to what you actually do on your show, yeah. Yeah, I can do that. I will say though, first, Brendan, while mm. he he's elated, obviously, mm. to be engaged Brendan. to his wonderful fiance. Yes, Brendan. Uh, he he mm. was very aware of the uh, the disappointment mm. that would come from this direction, mm-hmm. and he does send his apologies. Mm-hmm. He does love you. Uh, you know, know, if if fact. if he loved me, he would have abandoned everything that he had going on today <laughs> and actually be here in place of you. You know, that's perfectly fair. So maybe he doesn't. But mm. what does it say about my love for you? Because I'm here. I'm here. Okay, but talk and... about your show. What do you do over there? <laughs> anyway, so it's it's evolved a lot over the years. Um, you know, it started off with one show a week. Then it morphed into two shows a week. And now we're at three shows a week, which is all kinds of insane. So, Hey, Matt, on... uh, do, you, do you do three shows a week? No, we do three a month, though. Three a month. That... Three a month. Yeah. That's, well, that's putting it. That's fucking pushing it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> think I want to talk to my co-host three times a month? That's a lot. Yeah. yeah. I, don't times, how, well, I don't know how you do it, J.D. Three, three times, times a, week. a week. A week. Well, I was going to say, I mean, I am speaking of the brand. Me, myself, personally, mm. do not have that much time. Think. I'm only on 
the the main show that comes out on Tuesdays. Thank with God. My co-host Brendan Cassidy. So you could hear me and Brendan talk all kinds of movies on Tuesdays for three hours. And then, well, so this last week we did really good. Uh-huh. We were just over the two hour mark. Uh-huh. So we were down about 30 minutes from, you know, a typical show from the last, let's say, six months. Uh, but that show comes out on Tuesdays. Then on Thursdays, we have a new show called Women in Session. And that includes a panel of women critics that we have at the website who get together and talk about all kinds of movies. Lately, they've been talking about Alfred Hitchcock. And boy, there have been some fiery hot takes in that conversation. It's been really fun to listen to, uh, but they do a really great job. That is a new show. They recently wrapped up episode 10. Uh, So new, but uh, something that we're really proud of uh, with what they're doing. And then on Saturdays, Friday nights, Saturdays, depending on when I can edit the shows, is our long-running show, Extra Film which I no longer am a part of. Thank God. um, You know, yeah. So Ryan and Jay who run extra film have been doing such a great job over there. Jay is out on leave right now because he had a, a baby boy or rather his wife did. So he's on leave and we have another, uh, a guest filling in for him that has been terrific. So, uh, so Ryan and Sophia, if you're a fan of Martin Scorsese, they're in the middle of a Scorsese series. So if you want to tune into our extra film episodes that come out on Saturdays, uh, you you can tune in for that. This promo is getting about as long as one of your episodes, JD. Um, let's keep going. What else can we talk about? So we have bonus content. So less, less JD, more Brendan in summary, right? That's it. Yes. Where, where, where can we, where can people go to find your, your shows, JD? Uh, so people can find us at insessionfilm.com. Yes. Again, that's insessionfilm.com. More Brendan, less JD. He brings the popcorn. She brings the roses. Subject Cinema, a tasty new film topic each week with a side order of film reviews. Yum. T.C. Kirkham. But I'm Jing. Kim Brown. What? Over half a million listeners, and you could be the next one. Subjectcinema.com. Real movies for real people. This podcast is a proud member of the Lamb Podcasting Network. Find the network at largeassmovieblogs.com. Okay, let's talk about double indemnity. Mr. Neff, why don't you drop by tomorrow evening around 8.30? He'll be in then. Who? My husband. You were anxious to talk to him, weren't you? Yeah, I was, but uh, I'm sort of getting over the idea, if you know what I mean. There's a speed limit in this state, Mr. Neff. 45 miles an hour. How fast was I going, officer? I'd say around 90. Suppose you get down off your motorcycle and give me a ticket. Suppose I let you off with a warning this time. Suppose it doesn't take. Suppose I have to whack you over the knuckles. Suppose I bust out crying and put my head in your shoulder. Suppose you try putting it on my husband's shoulder. That tears it. Eight thirty tomorrow evening, then. That's what I suggested. You'll be here, too? I guess so. I usually am. Same chair, same perfume, same anklet. I wonder if I know what you mean. I wonder if you wonder. The plot. A Los Angeles insurance representative lets an alluring housewife seduce him into a scheme of insurance fraud and murder that arouses the suspicion of his colleague, an insurance investigator. The most amazing job in the world. Uh, the director, Billy Wilder. The actors, uh, Fred McMurray, Barbara Stanwyck, Edward G. Robinson. And no one else really matters. Uh, Matthew, pretend you are a dearly departed hermano as this was a blind spot for him and he had never seen it.
Okay. Do I have to sound like her mono though? Can no, I sound no, like no. Me? Just be you. Just be you. Okay. Oh God, thank God, because I don't know if I can fill those shoes. <laughs> wow, this is quite a film. <laughs> is that Good what job. you would say? Normally? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, probably. <laughs> no. Golly gee, I like this. Golly film. gee, I like this a lot, man. There's twists and turns and burns and doubles and triple crosses. It is crazy, and it's in black and white. It's from the '40s. It's from the '40s, but it takes place in the '30s. Um, I can't do her motto. Can I just do me, please? Please do you. Please. Do this you. is so hard. <laughs> <laughs> this movie rocks, man. This movie's small. This is only my second time, so that I would be perfect for a second time watcher on this. Mm. Uh, I think it's been close to about twelve years, <clears throat> and um, full disclosure, I am not a. <clears throat> sorry, I'm verklempt. Um, <laughs> um, that's how emotional about this movie is uh, for me. Um, I'm I'm not a classics guy. I'm not a big uh, guy watching movies from the uh, you know 40s, 50s, 60s. Billy Wilder, I would say. I guess you could say it's a it's a blind spot for me for a lot of his films and everything. But this movie is pretty much everything. It's the old adage: they don't make them like they used to. Um, they try to, and sometimes they they're okay. But uh, I would say every film noir has this film to thank for setting any sort of a blueprint or a blank slate for anybody to make a film like this. Um, uh, McMurray's great. Stanwick is, is, is great. Um, Edward G. Robinson, I think is my favorite thing about this entire film. Cause come the end of it, you're kind of thinking is, was he the smartest? I mean, he's always the smartest guy in the room, but was he always, always, always the smartest guy in the room? And it's told in a kind of non-narrative way, which I really like. So Tarantino, of course, has to, Thank mm-hmm. a lot of people for this as well too, but uh, it's just done. It's done so well, and just it's it's snappy. It's very you know his girl Friday dialogue where it goes back and forth. Um, it's just one of those films where it it it, it flies by. It's what hour hour and 40, 41 minutes, and I do like the fact that these are the old movies where there were like no credits. It was basically mm-hmm. here's five people in it. Let's get to the movie, and then the end. Mm-hmm. It's like there's no wasted time. There's no do I have to wait at the end of the movie for 10 minutes to see if there's going to be some end credit <laughs> bullshit or something like that? Like maybe, Oh, maybe this didn't really happen. Or maybe this was a dream or something like that. So it's, 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 um, uh, it makes me feel good in my heart that I can go back to watch a movie that's damn near 80 years old now at this point and, and still be like, man, that's not, now that's entertainment right there. It's, uh, mm-hmm. it's great. And there's everything about this movie that, uh, uh, Hitchcock has to thank for this and everybody else has to thank for uh, uh, double indemnity to come around to pave the way to make their movies even thought of being better, honestly. So great, great stuff. JD, what did you think of double indemnity? Yeah, I love this as well. Uh, I, you know, it's hard for me to say where this ranks for me with Billy Wilder because he has several masterpieces on his resume, but this is certainly one of them for me. I absolutely love this movie. And, uh, you know, Matthew is getting to a lot of great points there in terms of the the writing and the pacing of this film is so rich and sharp. Uh, the editing is a great component to all of that as well. And I just love that duality with Walter and Phyllis in the sense that he meets her and it could seem as if it's this contrived thing where he falls in love with her from the moment that he sees her there uh, in the stairwell. And, and it's so brief and instantaneous that it could come off as a little manufactured, but then you also remember that he's a freaking insurance salesman, (laughs) the most banal job (laughs) on the planet. And I don't think, that was an accident. So it makes perfect sense to me that he is searching for any sort of excitement whatsoever, especially when coupled with what we do come to learn about him and his life. To me, it all makes a lot of sense, especially with the performances. And, and Fred McMurray is very good here. Barbara Stanwyck, though, freaking movie star. She is absolutely magnetic. Uh, and steals this movie from me. Edward G. Robinson, though, I, I do echo that. He is really great, quite great and love the the clever intuitiveness of that character and how 
he's utilized here. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot to like here from the composition and the cinematography. You know, the long takes that Wilder uses is really great. But yeah, this is an editing or a writing uh, masterclass and, and even a performance masterclass in some ways. I, I do think the performances here are equally as important as the writing. But yeah, as far as uh, noir films go, I mean, this is up there with the absolute best ever made. Well, it's technically one of the first ever made. Uh, that too. Yeah. Yeah. First and best. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Wally, this was not the first time you had watched this movie. This was not. Uh, you had actually, uh, you had insisted that I watch this for a while. Mm. And I think it was a lot, it might have been last year or so. I, I was like, you know what? Uh, there ain't nothing going on today. So I'll, I'll drop this on and gave it a watch. And yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I think the story is fairly linear. You know what I mean? It just gets right to it. And we follow this track. There's not like a hell of a lot of, of twists and turns. We know, you know, we watch this, this whole thing play out um, between uh, Stanwyck and McMurray. And it also reinforces the fact that I have sworn up and down that there are no cool Walters in any, in any media. <laughs> there aren't. There are none. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think the, the way McMurray uh, delivers those lines is, is pretty cool. <laughs> no, he's a, he's a patsy. Uh, <laughs> no, not a very good one either. Like, just like, as this movie progresses, just like, kind of how kind of inept he is at this. <laughs> you are not good at crime. Um, I but I, have, I would have a lot of time sitting at his desk, like, hmm, what should I do today? Let's see. Hmm. See the, the thing is, crimes. See the thing is though that he he isn't one to sit behind a desk. He's a door to door guy, and he goes he goes ringing doorbells, and and he even makes a point that he doesn't want to be um, a Robinson's assistant uh, because he'd be stuck behind a desk. You know? Yeah, we'd also be taking a fifty dollar pay cut. <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. big time. Exactly. I mean, back then, I can much that how much that must have been. Um, yeah, I'm, but, uh, I'm with. I'm with, I'm with Matt on this one. Edward G. Robinson in this is the tits. Um, <laughs> I love how he plays this character. It's very, um, it's Columbo before Columbo. That's a good one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I can see that. It, 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 wasn't, it wasn't until the second watching that I picked up on it. I was like, I was like no, he's like, he's like, he's, he plays, he's playing it like he's not showing any of his cards. Like, he, like he's, he has any suspicion, but he's like already kind of like putting it all together really quick. Um, so that when eventually, you know, comes around and, and, uh, you know, when we get to come up, it's, um, you know, he's the smartest guy in the room. He's, he's, you know, he's deduced it very quickly. And I, I do enjoy that kind of character who just kind of sits back, lets things play and goes, okay, well, we'll see what you do. And, uh, yeah, this, I, I think this movie is also fairly well shot too, um, I, I do enjoy a lot of the scenes, especially like the staircase scenes. I think those are oh, those are pretty. That's what the one part of it that really stands out to me is like that big staircase at the top. Um, yeah, and that's always that's always been like a, a seat, like a location for this movie that's really uh, really stuck with me. Um, so yeah, this I, I yeah, there's a reason why this movie is great. There's a reason why uh, Turner Classic is actually going to be doing a um, a screening of it uh, this coming year. Yeah, no, that that would be great to it's catch on the big screen. I will, I will probably end up taking a trip out to the theater to go see it on the big screen. Yeah, it's probably a good one to catch That'd on the big screen. It, yeah, um, yeah, I had seen this movie once before, probably about ten or twelve years ago, and mm. and I I thought of it pretty highly. But then recently, I picked up the Criterion Blu-ray, and uh, boy, what a transfer! That, that's a great transfer, and. Um, and I, I was happy to do so because it, it, yeah, this this movie on a second watch is is really amazing. I'm not sure what else I can add that already hasn't been said because this is like one of the most influential and you know infamous movies of all time, and it, it, it you know rightfully so, you know because this movie is like the the the. The steaminess is like right from the get-go. The lust and passion yeah. and these yeah. murderous desires. You know, it it it, it just it, the the script by Raymond Chandler and Billy Wilder together it, is really interesting and in how and in how it's 
subverting and working itself around the Hayes Code of the time and how everything is so layered with sexual innuendo. And it's so amazing mm-hmm. how well it comes across. You know, it, it, you you could see it as something that is like... Um, you know, old timey dialogue, but it comes across as really natural within, you know, the context of this film. And it's just delicious. I love this script. It, just those wicked double entendres are really fabulous in how they're delivered. Uh, the chemistry between McMurray and Stanwick really, it, it like sets the screen on fire. It's, mm-hmm. it, it's, you know, and the movie is strongest, I think, when the two of them, and even I would say McMurray and, and Robinson are together. And, I, I think whenever it's kind of McMurray on his own, it suffers the most, uh, you know, not to a, a, a truly detrimental degree or anything like that. But I, uh, I, I, I just love when McMurray is able to play against somebody else, you know, like, especially when uh, Robinson is tightening the screws to trying to solve the case. I think that's really fun. There's a lot of great stuff going on. The staging, you know, while you talk about the way this movie looks, I think this movie looks amazing. You know, the staging is fantastic because, you know, the way people move around on screen, it's like they're slinking, like slithering like snakes. You know, it, it, it's really great. And the amount of times that McMurray is shown with the light on him shining through the window blinds so it looks like prison bars, <laughs> you know, it's just a great effect of foreshadowing. And uh, it's just uh, it's just like a top-notch film, top to bottom, I think. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, uh, Matthew, uh, you you agree about the performances and everything? Oh yeah, they're 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 great, and I think you bring up a good point with like when when McMurray doesn't have anybody to play off. I mean, you you do get the uh, his inner monologue and everything like that. You get the voiceover, yeah. so it works. But you constantly need him to be in front of somebody to play off of because it's so it's done so well. Hmm. You know, it's one of these things where you need that kind of combat not, not even combativeness but like the double entendres you need that kind of sexual desire that lust between mm. him and stan waker that kind of almost father and son type banter that he has with Ed, edward Dean robinson and everything like that you know and even when he's uh talking to uh, uh barbara stanwick's uh um uh, uh, uh ah, daughter-in-law and everything like that oh, yeah. too. you have those like those like kind of tender moments so and I for, you forget about that too because you you, mm-hmm. you have all the steam and lust and you have the the crime and desire and then at the end of the day you have this the uh, the when the, the I guess the big spoiler kind of happens with the daughter where she spills the beans to him and he kind of has his epiphany and everything like that too but mm-hmm. acting off of him too with like like you say the light shining on him things like that it's just this constant like and you being the person who knows what's going on but other people don't it's like what's what's the hitchcock film that i'm thinking of is it rope that i'm thinking of with oh yeah but um is that the one I'm thinking of with the bomb underneath oh no sabotage sabotage sorry about that where you you know that there's something happening and i guess this is the old hitchcock way i mean even though he did this what 20 years after this movie came out you know let the audience know something's going on uh kind of thing but maybe don't let the characters kind of know what's going on a little bit too so it's it's fun to see characters acting off of things that you already know that are messed up and going on too it adds to that extra Mm -hmm. layer of drama and intrigue and you know how are they going to you, you want them to go one way and you're like are they going to go that one way or is is wilder and chandler going to ride it away where you want that to go that way or are they going to completely flip it on you so i like the fact mm-hmm. that even towards the end of the film you still don't know truly what's going to happen you know even though you hear that you hear confessions in the beginning but what's really going to happen type thing so mm-hmm. it's it, and again that's just the, the magic of writing a great script and keeping you on keeping the audience on mm. your toes. Yeah. I think part of the brilliance of Billy Wilder's uh, filmmaking here and, and especially the writing is, is just how, uh, how timely the <clears throat> dualities of this film are all these years later. I think that's why this film holds up so well, you know, because the, the idea of insurance in and of itself mm is this this weird complication right where it promises to assist you 
when you're in need, but then when that time comes, all they want to do is find excuses to not be that assistant. Call so the like cops. there's yeah, so like there's a weird irony there that Billy Wilder taps into. And I love how that is the foundation of the rivalry between Keys and Neff. And and Tim, you mentioned it a moment ago in in that Walter doesn't want to be in Keys's shoes at all. He doesn't want to be mm-hmm. behind the desk. He doesn't want to be the one finding the excuses. He's the one outselling these insurance uh, policies that Keys will later on try to debunk <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> whenever they come. So like there's a fascinating dichotomy there. And when you couple that with this lust for excitement that we see in Walter, which is why he's so eager to pander to you know, the drama surrounding Phyllis and, and, and he's enamored by her beauty. Uh, the writing inside of all of that, I just think is really, really smart. And it's something that plays very well today. Like insurance, the, the insurance game has not changed at all hmm, in right. the last 100 years, you know, for better or worse, mostly for worse. <laughs> and, uh, and, but that makes this film, I think all the more brilliant with its drama and, and, and yet at the end of it, as much as we we sort of want to at least initially root for Walter and Phyllis and, you know, the writing does a great job of drawing us into their potential play. Yeah. You know, everything by the end is a cautionary tale. And so it becomes more cynical in its ideas, which is a wilder trait. And I like how he's able to kind of blend those two things of entertainment and art while also, you know, kind of digging into American consumerism and, you know, this, this thirst for success. And it's it's interesting that uh, you talk about consumerism and a a, a couple of scenes of their plotting take place inside of a supermarket. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. 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 What's the what's the worst argument you've ever gotten into it like in a in a grocery store? <laughs> Just uh, curious. Have yeah. you ever plotted murder? No, <laughs> I have not plotted murder. murder. Uh, no, no. no. It's like, I, uh, like I like those scenes where they're, they're like plotting and then they uh, it's like grabs the tomato can. The only the only thing I've <laughs> I've plotted is overthrowing yeah. JD in his podcast. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, no, nothing yeah. like murder. No, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Wally, what what did you think of uh, their plotting, and especially you know, like the 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 scene where he he goes through with uh, the you know faking the you know the him being the the guy on the crutches and and all that kind of stuff. So how did you like how that all played out? I mean, it, it played out you know like you'd expect. Like you you've got to build that tension in this. You know what I mean? Like we didn't I didn't sign on to this this noir movie to see you know failure <laughs> well the very end. i mean yeah uh, but i mean i think i think the intensity for it i think is 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 is, is spot on i mean i think that the, the way it all plays out it makes to me in the, in the context of the film you know makes perfect sense and then it's you know it's not so much it's never so much the uh the the actual act but now the cover-up you know um and making sure that you've covered all your bases did i leave anything else behind and that's when you know this when movies like this really take off is that whole watching the the new slowly tighten um you know on what initially you know the the people initially cheering for are now the villains you know the people that you initially you know Mm -hmm. behind um so yeah i i I thought that was was just fine in context of the movie and you know I, i i it's really hard for me to find any sort of faults in this well i you know if in terms of fault i think i would say this movie loses a little bit of steam in the last act mostly because of the lack of barbara stanwick and the heat between her and mcmurray has cooled at that point so it's it's like this you know this passion that they weren't able to keep for the entire runtime that i wish they were able to a little bit more uh, you know, it, obviously it doesn't ruin the movie or anything like that. It, it leads to, uh, you know, especially for a movie of the time where you, you know, you're not allowed to have the perpetrators get away with it. Uh, they have to get their comeuppance uh, and you have, 
you know, the woman, of course, the femme fatale, uh, meet her end, and then uh, Walter Neff is, uh, you know, is is going to be hauled away to jail. But it's it's interesting. Were you like are you talking about like, you know, let's say comparing it to like a Bonnie and Clyde, where they're more, you get that dynamic more to the end. Is that what you're? Yeah, I saying? I don't know. There's something you know I you know because in the last act there there isn't as it features more of McMurray, you know, and his plotting and his uh, maneuvering. Uh, and, it, it, you know, Stanwick is kind of pushed to the side a little bit. Uh, yeah. it, it's it's okay. all about following I, his footsteps. Yeah. I kind of like that in the way, though, where it's like she served his purpose and it kind of focuses back in on, like to, to Wally's point, the noose going around uh, uh, Walter Neff's neck a little bit when he's sitting in the uh, office with uh, his boss. And then uh, the Medford man comes in like, I'm a Medford man. I know who I saw. <laughs> and you're, you're, you're seeing like him playing in the back where he's like, oh, shit, this guy's about to make yeah. me. But then it, it kind of head fakes you a little bit. So I like the fact that it kind of it, it flips it a little bit where it focuses mm-hmm. on McMurray. It, so it takes hot passion it then goes into this kind of I don't want to say like a detect like a detective piece almost well, a little bit. So yeah. I like the fact yeah. that it doesn't say it doesn't keep me hot, hot, hot the entire time. Mm. It keeps me hot with excitement with with Stanwick and McMurray, but it, then I get that dread of you know, and everybody has their own opinion. Like, well, we saw this guy Nino too, and everything. So you're thinking, is he going to get away with it? Can he get away with it? Is mm. she going to get away with it? Is he, is he going to sell her out? So I like the fact that. There's, she's still she's still a big pawn to play, not even a pawn, but she's a big piece to play. But she kind of goes away. It's like, is he going to be able to find her again, mm-hmm. or is he on is he on his own a little bit? So I kind of like that mm-hmm. that it's not so hot. It's almost like nerve wracking that and what's going to happen. And then when they finally have their last confrontation, it's like I feel like it's a perfect way to kind of like end that relationship. Mm-hmm. It's it starts with a bang and it literally goes out with a bang. Mm. So yeah. Yeah. And and perhaps it's the performance of it and and the writing. I still find a lot of it very riveting. And mm-hmm. obviously we have to simply succumb to the point of view that this is Walter's story and he's it's always going to be from his perspective. And because of the narrative turns that it takes, that you know, his relationship with Phyllis obviously fizzles out and i kind of and actually i I really love that too i kind of like that phyllis is this you know femme fatale but all she's really doing is trying to ruin the lives of the men around her Mm -hmm. which you know maybe speaks to the mundanity of you know suburban life maybe it was a precursor to all the stuff we've seen about women in the 1950s in that regard uh i don't know but i i do find it like as a noir I, I and i do understand your point tim I, I do see it i think it's perfectly fair but i think there's something about the the writing and the performance where i was still captivated by those those narrative turns but stanwick is stanwick it's barbara stanwick and she's absolutely magnetic to the screen so yeah i mean seeing more of her i'm, I'm certainly <laughs> never going to dismiss that notion agreed agreed uh anything else to mention before we get into grades we good? Good. Yeah. Uh, I want I wanted to mention inflation a little bit since we are in inflation <laughs> and everything like that. So let's go over a few numbers really quick. I'll be I'll be the uh, insurance guy here really quick. So uh, two things that I noticed: uh, thirty thousand house thirty thousand dollar house back in uh, nineteen thirty eight mm-hmm, would mm-hmm. roughly be the cost of six hundred and thirty thousand um, dollars. I had to look that up and see the inflation for nineteen thirty eight. Mm-hmm. And a one hundred thousand uh, dollar double indemnity clause would be t- uh, roughly one point two million dollars. Nice. In okay. today, so uh, you would kill somebody for that, right? Uh, uh, JD's yeah. available. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, well, he's here. <laughs> yes. I just want to put those numbers out there for you guys. Okay, you know. uh, no, that's good. Yeah, that's interesting. I, 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 I do it for a hundred thousand dollars. Brings nothing to the table at all. But I just want to make sure you guys <laughs> knew the numbers. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, grades, Wally. I give it an A fuck plus. A fuck plus, uh, Matthew. Yes, it was absolutely worth your time. Um, I'm glad I watched it, and I'm glad I watched it again. Yeah, Matthew. Oh, God, I, do I do I just go cliche and go e fucking plus? I guess I got to go a fucking fucking plus. Wow. Oh. Oh. 
Well, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not fucking you. Ideal challenge. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna have JD go last, of course. Uh, I'm gonna say actually a plus. I'm not gonna go a fuck plus. I'm gonna go a plus. Uh, oh, and and that okay. may that may be uh, you know heresy to a lot of people, but uh, I don't know. It, look, it, <laughs> great fucking movie, guys. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, JD. Uh, I will go a fucking fuck fuck plus. Oh, oh. he's fucking it up. He's fuck. He's oh. up up the fuck. I'm up upping the, the fuck ante. Up the yes. fuck. You're a language gentleman. You should be all the fuck. That's why we unbelievable. We invite you on and you curse up our house. I <laughs> know. I'm so sorry. You knew what you I were can't doing get away with it on our show, so I have to bring it here. Mm. Uh, like oh, it. Okay, that does it for this episode of the First Time Watchers podcast. Donate via patreon.com slash first time watchers or buy stuff at zazzle.com slash first time watchers. Talk to us on Twitter at 1SD Time Watchers on Twitter. This is where Hermana would say emailing us at firsttimewatchers at gmail.com. And I now go and say, please download our episodes in Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. Please leave us a review because we love feedback. If you have any suggestions of movies for us to watch, please send a tweet or an email. Speaking of suggestions, let's recommend a movie. Wally. All right. Uh, I, I just dig Edward G. Robinson. And so I'm going to go back to uh, an episode 413 where... Edward G. Robinson also appears in a movie we reviewed called The Stranger, uh, directed by Orson Welles, an investigator from the War Crimes Commission, and travels to Connecticut to find an infamous Nazi. Um, again, another one of those Edward G. Robinson being Columbo, <laughs> like putting it together, figuring it out, and and going after going after chasing his quarry down. Uh, I'll go next. Uh, I will recommend another Billy Wilder film, and that is uh, his 1960 film starring Jack Lemmon and Shirley MacLaine called The Apartment. Uh, mm. It is a wonderful uh, movie about a man who learns to be a mensch, you know, uh, and a woman who regains her sense of self. Uh, but, uh, you know, he also, I think Wilder also uses this to obliterate the idea of American capitalism. You know, people who whore themselves and their values for their own personal advantages without any thought uh, for those they're hurting. Uh, you know, and it takes one man to abandon what he thought he wanted in life to get his own identity back. And uh, there's, there's, um, you know, one scene in this movie that really sticks out to me where McLean is sobbing uh, in Baxter's apartment, in in, uh, in Jack Lemmon's apartment, and, you know, standing, what she's doing is standing in between a television and a Christmas tree, which are two behemoth icons of consumerism. And uh, it's two of the very things that have destroyed her up until this point. Uh, and Shirley MacLaine is so goddamn good in this movie. It's a crime she didn't win an Oscar. This movie's amazing. Mm. It's it's great. It's great. So, uh, Matthew. Oh, God, I wasn't thinking of... Uh, I wish I wouldn't have used my uh, Barbarian thing, but I'll recommend Barbarian. So I'm not going to go like, oh, I'm bailing wild there. Uh, sorry guys, uh, I'm, this is my blind spot. So go watch the, the damn movie Barbarian. It's really good. I agree. It's it's ninety minutes in a friggin' theater. Watch it in a theater. It's friggin' fantastic. They don't make them. They don't make them like this anymore. So uh, truly unnerving scenes in this film, and you can make whatever hot take and whatever thing you want to about, be about this uh, about that movie, which I'm sure have, people have done all their think pieces on it. I did not do a think piece. I did a thumbs up. <laughs> um, it is tons of fun. It's great in the theater when it's dark and it's unnerving and scary. And yeah, go in there completely blind and have a good time. Just sit in the theater alone. Be scared. Yes. You know, just live live a little bit, people. Come on. Life's too damn short. Uh, JD, what do you Speaking want to that, While we were recording, uh, TMZ reporting Coolio died at 59 years old. As oh. oh. R.I.P. Coolio. We got to pour one out for him. Let's let's do that. Uh, JD, what, right. how do you follow that up? <laughs> well, uh, I'm going to go back to the Billy Wilder well uh, because, man, he's got so many great films. The Apartment is wonderful. Some Like It Hot. Uh, Sunset Boulevard, people consider to be one of the best uh, movies of all time as well. But I think my favorite Wilder film is actually his 1951 film, Ace in the Hole. Mm. I love that movie and and maybe part of it is it's his most cynical film that i've seen his most ruthless i think and while it does have the entertainment factor in some ways as we've seen with his other movies 
there's something about the cynicism of that film that really resonates with me. And I think the commentary underneath it all, as it relates to media, you know, over like the, the over sensation that we get with the media corruption underneath all of that, all the lack of humanity and pop culture, it's, it was certainly blistering in that film. I think it's a big part of our society today as well. So it's another one of those Billy Wilder films that, just continues to resonate as time goes on all the more Kirk Douglas absolutely phenomenal in that movie as well so uh, it's a Billy Wilder film that just doesn't pull any punches it's like he almost doesn't even care if the audience likes the movie and it's just so unlike anything else he's done and there's something about that approach to Ace in the Hole that I love so you know I don't know if it's his best but at it's probably my favorite Wilder film, though. I can at least say that. Very much recommended if if you haven't, you know, seen. If you haven't seen it, it's really great. Uh, Matthew, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, I have some Billy Wilder films to watch. <laughs> you do. Uh, where, <laughs> yeah. where, where can people? This, this is literally. I mean, uh, some like it hot. I've seen a little bit of it, but I haven't seen the whole movie. So, this is <laughs> certainly a. Uh, did a little over 20 films so i got some catching up to do guys matthew where can people find you online oh well we uh you know we're making it simple (laughs) um simplistic dot reviews you just got to type that in we're not we're not going with the net we're not going with the dot tv dot com dot edu dot org simplistic dot reviews you go to the website it's going to be fantastic and we've got a lot of fun stuff coming up for the this upcoming month doing some coverage of some film fests uh, remotely and a few other reviews coming out. So yeah, go to the website and call us idiots because we <laughs> love to be tr- mistreated by people who just want to call us idiots. Nice. Call us masochists. Call us what you want. Okay. Call me a dreamer. Yep. All right. You know, that's just the way I am. Uh, JD. Uh, InSessionFilm.com uh, is where you can God. find us. Again, three shows a week. We got a, a Martin Scorsese series going on right now yeah. on Extra Film, which yes. is really fun. We're in the middle of a Studio Ghibli series on the main show. Uh, it's been really great. So, uh, yeah, if you're a fan of all of that, plus it's the fall season, so we're getting on all I'm, of these I'm just fall gonna, I'm just going to interrupt you. I'm just going to interrupt you and say, at Brendan J. Cassidy. That's it. Yeah, and follow Brendan. Yeah, you can definitely do that. At In Session Film on Twitter, InSessionFilm.com, though. You can find everything. Every link is there. And at Brenda J. Cassidy. Uh, Stay tuned for our next episode. We'll be discussing the newest Andrew Dominic film that is sure to offer plenty of discourse, Blonde. Mm. That's the first time watch this podcast because we like to watch. To break your heart in two. Hey, Tim. 
How's it going? Hey, man. How are you? I'm all right, buddy. Hey, man. Hey. hey. That's not going to be awkward at all. No, let's make it more awkward. Okay. Yeah, we will. Uh, poo poo poopies and peepees. Can I touch your peepee? <laughs> Can I see your peepee? Now I feel like I'm on your podcast. Yay. Oh, finally. Yes, yes. You're now you are one of us. We will wobble one of us. You will see my PPP. <laughs> this movie on freaks. Yes. You no, know, that's that's basically us. Love it. Ha, <laughs> ha.